If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. For the news and views you can't hear anywhere else, it's the Steve Hook Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right, you are back with the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio. My guest, who was so kind to hang in there, Ed Botowski, uh, founder of Chapwood Investments. Uh, Ed, thank you for hanging in with us, and thank you for uh, for being there today. We were talking off air. We were talking off air a little bit, and it was a, a conversation that I've had with uh, my brother-in-law, who's Jewish, uh, uh, and several of my Jewish friends. And the question is always, why do so many, I guess we would call them secular Jews, vote democrat when the democratic party especially what we've seen in the events of since october 7th they've got a real schism in that party yet i don't need to tell you what's going on with the squad and all those maniacs so why do so many secular jews continue to vote democrat yeah it's it's a great question and i'm i'm a proud conservative republican um and people ask me all the time so here's here's the the two answers that that i have one of them is that our parents were democrats and but the democrat party back then was what the republican party stands for today so my father would have voted for jfk but jfk today would have been a republican uh with with almost all of his uh you know you know way that he saw the world and the way he approached it and so it's just been kind of a trickle down that you know my parents were democrats so i would be a democrat then my kids would be democrats um but the parties have changed but also there's this um idea of that when democrats are kind of positioned as the ones that give more they hand out more money they hand out more to the poor and the less fortunate so they're viewed as being very sympathetic towards others and so they're viewed as being more caring and that's how jews like to you know kind of you know they they align with that so that's the other reason that i think that you see a lot of jews that you know are voting democrat and i and it's mostly reformed jews uh the orthodox jews mainly vote conservative republican and those are your hasidic your yeshivas uh you know your your professional Jews, if you want to call them that. Uh, (laughs) And and then you have conservative Jews, which are, you know, that do a lot of Hebrew in in shul. um, And they they tend to kind of go both ways. And then the reformed Jews, which I am, but I'm very different, is that, you know, that they typically will will vote Democratic. But it's mainly because of their parents and also their belief that the Democratic Party is more kind and caring, which we know is not true. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because as you're saying that, I'm thinking of other and I I hate to even think like this because I hate to balkanize the nation and think of the voter blocks because the Democrats have made their bones by by doing just that. It's all about uh, identity politics with them. But when you mention how some Jews kind of perceive the Democrat Party as the party of compassion, the party of charity. It seems to me that many people in not just the uh, Jewish communities, uh, but in the Hispanic communities and the black communities are starting to wake up and say, well, wait a minute now, Uh, maybe all of this compassion is really just uh, not really compassionate at all. (laughs) Maybe the compassion is 
uh, freedom. Maybe the compassion is liberty. Maybe, maybe there, maybe there's compassion there. You think that that message is starting to get through to some, because we've seen numbers tick up black American males right now. They're trending more conservative than they ever have. Uh, Hispanic yeah. Americans, same thing. You think this is starting to have an effect inside the Jewish community in the reform community? I don't think there's any question about it. Um, especially with the squad, being democratic and and coming out so pro-Palestinian. And then the Democrats did not push back on it. I mean, you didn't have this, this, you know, unified effort to push back against the squad. A lot of them just went silent uh, for whatever reason. And, and that really upset a ton of Jews. So you're hearing about a lot of Jews who are starting to convert. You know, I don't think it's going to be enough to really sway the election. Um, but but you definitely have a big movement in the reform. Jew, Jewish community moving towards being more conservative. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the squad being so outspoken. I mean, this uh, uh, Tlaib, uh, uh, my, my wife, who usually doesn't speak out much, she just is infuriated about this lady. Um, yeah. And and she she should just be thrown out of Congress, quite frankly. I mean, the things that she says and the things she supports and, and the groups that she's a part of. You know, I learned the other day on Facebook, she's part of some pro-Palestinian secret group on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she, you know, but that's just one example. But the idea is that the Democrats aren't pushing back against it. Now, you do have Biden who is pushing back. Uh, but but the rest of uh, Congress and the House is just not pushing back, except if you have a couple of Jews, you know, who are, who are there. Um, Schumer kind of has a little bit. Of course, he's Jewish, but but yeah. the, the, he knows damn good and well. And that's the thing That's you know, I've always said, if you live by the sword of identity politics, there's a good chance you're going to die by it as well. And I think we're seeing that. I think that I think that that sword is swinging pretty hard in the uh and the Democratic caucus these days inside the Beltway. And Tlaib, yes, I can't stand that woman. Long before this this latest uh, war with Gaza and uh, Israel and Hamas took off, I re- do you remember, Ed, when she came into office and she said, what, she goes, and my niece said to me, what are you going to do with Trump? And I told him, we're going to impeach that MFR. She was so That's proud right. to say that. She's always been a hateful woman. So uh, hopefully uh, the the Democrat Party and I wish no (laughs) I wish no good luck to the DNC. But I do think that two effective political parties is better than one all powerful. And hopefully they'll uh, they'll uh, get rid of some of these uh, maniacs. Let's let's shift focus a little bit in the short time we have left, Ed, as we are looking at Thanksgiving tomorrow. We are looking at the holidays coming up. Uh, and of course, we're looking at a new year. Uh, how are you looking at the economy right now? Um, are you a little bit more optimistic uh, than maybe in months past? Yeah, yeah. And I've I've gotten to the point where I've been saying for quite some time that I thought interest rates were going to start to go sideways. And then uh, come the first quarter of 2024, I think we're going to see a drop in interest rates because the U.S. economy is going to be showing some weak numbers, not recession numbers, but weak numbers. And when those weak numbers come in, that's going to push interest rates lower. Um, so and and then I, I do believe we're going to have a rally in the stock market towards the end of this year. I think utility stocks are poised to do very, very well for two reasons. The dividends on utilities are going to become more attractive as interest rates start to drop. 
but also the cost to generate energy on utilities are mainly from coal and natural gas. And both of those prices this year have dropped about 50 to 60%. So I think that there is a big profit, a windfall profit that you're going to see in utility stocks. So uh, I'm I'm very you know supportive of you know what has happened, how uh, this administration has brought down inflation. Although we're down to numbers, we probably shouldn't be up to, uh, which is you know one of the things. But but I do believe that we're in a Goldilocks scenario where interest rates are going to come lower and we're not going to have a recession. Uh, and I just call it the way I see it. And regardless, whoever's in power, that's the way I see it. And um, I, I do believe that we're going to have a really good beginning of 2024. Wow, that's nice. But, so, but you're bullish on energy, huh? I'm bullish on utilities. Okay. Um, now, you know, energy, you know, we're talking about, nat- you know, we're talking about gas prices or oil. You know, I, I do believe that has a lot to do with what happens over in the Middle East, because if Iran gets involved with this war, and you know some of these other oil producing countries uh, start to get involved there could be some blockades and we could see prices go higher um but i was also surprised to see in august that there was more oil produced in the united states in that month than in any other month in our history and that yeah. also is a little counter to what we've been hearing uh so there is a lot of oil being produced here we're just using a lot of oil uh and the world's using a lot of oil uh, so, the, you know, so much for this EV push, um, because, you know, oil prices, you know, are going higher because the demand is there and, uh, they're going to have to produce more oil to, to maintain that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here, here. Well, listen, and I, I hope you're right about the interest rates, boy. I mean, I, wouldn't it be a, wouldn't it be a kick if Powell comes out and says, you know what, we're going to, we're going to back it off a, a, a quarter percent or something. I, we'll see how that plays out, but Ed Butowski, God bless you, sir. Thank you for joining us. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving, uh, and I uh, hope to have you back on the program real soon. You, you enjoy your, your weekend, sir. Great. Thank you, Steve. Okay, take care. All right, there he goes. That's Ed Butowski again, Chapwood Investment. And the guy, I'm telling you what, he's sharp as a tack. I need not tell you that. You just figured it out. But uh, uh, Chapwood uh, Investments is where you can find him. He founded that, and he's, uh, well, like I said, he's sharp as a tack. You're listening to the Steve Hook Show, a special edition of the Steve Hook Show. And man, we've really only just begun. We've got some great guests coming up on the other side. We'll be chatting with Gerard Folletti, and we'll be right back with that on TNT Radio after this. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I'm a native New Yorker. I've lived here most of my life. I love the energy. I love all the cultural opportunities. I love just the street scene, but not anymore. New York, to use Donald Trump's famous phrase, is now a shithole. Warren Wilhelm, Bill de Blasio, and Eric Adams destroying the legacy in in just a few short years of Rudy Giuliani and Bloomberg. We had low crime, we had booming tourism, we had booming business. Even with the 9-11 terrorist attacks, business in New York, it rebounded, it was booming. We've got beautiful, gleaming new apartment buildings. It breaks my heart to see what has been done to my native state, whose motto, Excelsior, means ever upward. But these last 20 years, unfortunately, they've been ever downward. Again, not by accident, all by design. And what's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is our crooked elections. The Timothy Shea Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. You know, 99.8% survival, rather than the three or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot, it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them. This is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, there are real threats to press freedom and your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, you're listening to the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio, and I want to thank uh, our guest uh, from last hour, Youssef Bashir. That was a very interesting story. Uh, and Ed Butowski uh, just joined us as well. And as I mentioned, we've got a couple more guests coming up this hour that really excited about Gerard Folletti will be joining us soon, and we'll wrap things up with George Papadopoulos here a little bit later. But I did want to touch on this. Brand new story just kind of breaking now. Um, looks like there was an attempted terrorist attack at the New York-Canada border. A New York vehicle explosion reported at Rainbow Bridge. Rainbow Bridge, for those of you who don't know, is a bridge right at Niagara Falls in Canada there, uh, New York and Canada. 
Uh, the FBI is investigating a vehicle explosion Wednesday uh, at the Rainbow Bridge border crossing between the U.S. and Canada in what sources tell Fox News was an attempted terrorist attack. Explosives were found inside the vehicle at the time. Two uh, two people who were in the car are dead, the sources tell Fox News. Uh, a border officer was injured. So uh, this sounds like tragedy averted, although, you know, there are some uh, some uh, casualties here. The vehicle was driving from the U.S. to Canada, and uh, it was att- attempting to drive toward the border officer building. Uh, as uh, so, another what it sounds to me is if somebody was aiming this car at the building, uh, and as we know, there were explosives in the car. All bridges are closed off in that area now, and all government buildings have been evacuated, according to sources. Uh, international border crossing points between Canada and Western New York are now completely closed after the reported incident, uh, which has also injured at least one person. That would be the 27-year-old male who was taken to Niagara Falls Memorial Hospital with minor injuries, including, uh, what does it say, back pain, minor cuts. Uh, His condition is not severe. Uh, The FBI Buffalo field office is investigating a vehicle explosion. I'm just reading it as I get it, folks. Uh, At the Rainbow Bridge, a border crossing between U.S. Canada uh, at Niagara Falls, it says in a statement, the FBI is coordinating with our local, state, and federal law enforcement enforcement partners uh, in this investigation as the situation is very fluid. That's all we can say at this time. Uh, So there you go. That's all we've got right now. It's brand new. It's fresh off the presses. And that's what we're learning. But two people that were in the vehicle were shot. That sounds like, I mean, the dots are fairly easy to connect here, I believe. Uh, It sounds like uh, as the car was probably making its way towards the border office, uh, they opened fire on the car. And thank God, thank God uh, that the explosives in the car did not go off. So, uh, so like I said, tragedy uh, narrowly averted. And uh, we'll see how it how it plays out. Uh, from here, as we get more details on that, we'll certainly pass it along. But, um, you know, this is what we're afraid of, man. Uh, this is exactly uh, what people are afraid of. Uh, it, it, it's just it's it's just this is this is but one. We've talked about it on the show many, many times. It's not if we're going to be attacked from within. It's when we're going to be attacked from within. Uh, now, we don't know the details on who these two uh, people were inside the vehicle that are now uh, dead on the scene. Uh, but we do know it was an attempted terrorist attack. Did they cross the southern border? I don't know. But I'd wager that a whole bunch of people that we don't want in this country did, in fact, cross that southern border. As I mentioned, we will give further details as we get them here on TNT Radio. Uh, okay, let's take a quick break. We come back and we will have Gerard Faletti joining us. But we'll take a quick headline break here on this special edition of the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio. Now's a good time to break the big news. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The United States has urged North Korea to engage in serious negotiations after the North Korean regime launched a spy satellite into orbit yesterday. This came as the state-run Korean Central News Agency claimed that North Korea had placed a spy satellite named Malignyang-1 into orbit using its Kalama-1 carrier rocket. 
Australia could lose its 2026 Commonwealth Games hosting rights since no state is interested in holding the event after Victoria withdrew in July. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. All right, you're uh, you're listening and perhaps even watching a special edition of the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio. We welcome you back, and we also welcome to the show our good buddy, Gerard Folletti. Gerard is a senior counsel of the Lawfare Project, and we welcome him to the show now. Hello, Gerard. How are you, sir? Good to see you, man. Uh, good to see you. I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. A day early. Got a big plan Happy for the... Uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to that, man. I look forward to being passed out on the couch by no later than 7 p.m. <laughs> that, that's the goal. p.m. tonight. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us today, Gerard. It's always uh, wonderful to kind of get a little bit of your insight into, uh, into the goings-on uh, around the world right now. And as you are a senior counsel to the Lawfare Project, uh, you seem a perfect guest to bring this subject up with because lawfare is being waged all across the country against conservatives. Now, of course, we know about what's been going on with Donald Trump and all of his associates. Uh, they they have been trying desperately, even going so far as to say, the 14th Amendment says, and that's getting shot down. So it looks like they're going to be SOL on a lot of those cases. Uh, but also Elon Musk has come under heavy fire lately. Have you noticed this? Uh, it's like Elon Musk is uh, persona non grata on the left, and there's a lots of uh, lots of cases trying to sue him. What 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 is your thought on all of this, Gerard? Well, it, it's a little bit crazy when you think about where we were two years ago, what Twitter was back then, and what X has become today. We've gotten Musk, who came in to basically liberalize uh, in in the very classic way Twitter and make it an open platform where people can actually speak without being censored. And as a result of that, we have attempts to censor Musk. Uh, he is under pressure from left-wing groups and right-wing groups. Uh, everyone is trying to censor him uh, and make him into a bad boy who is allowing some sort of hate to pro uh, to to uh, to to muster on on X uh, and to chill the free speech that he was trying to bring to it. So we are seeing now the consequences of the inherent fight between being able to say whatever you want and having speech that some people just don't like. Yeah. And and the thing that's crazy is, and I know that you've been keeping up with this as, as as many of us have, but your expertise is probably worth a bit more than mine is, uh, and that is that th this whole thing with media matters for America, which is which which uh, likes to claim that it's a nonprofit media watchdog group. Well, we all know that's garbage. Media matters is a George Soros funded left wing think tank. How they even managed to get. They're, I guess they're 501c3. I don't know how they even managed to maintain that, uh, but they have. And they're going after him. And Musk threatened last week uh, to come at them with a thermonuclear lawsuit. And he made good on that. And now he's suing uh, 
suing uh, Media Matters. And I think there's I think maybe Mediaite is thrown in there as well. A couple other folks. Why don't you kind of give us the the lowdown on this lawsuit and and just how egregious uh, what Media Matters for America has done here? So the the background is Media Matters did a research analysis, and I use air quotes for that because it's never something that's impartial when it comes to Media Matters, or at least it doesn't look that way. They came out with a conclusion that sometimes for a profile that they created on X, once they signed up to see posts by so-called right-wing groups, they started seeing paid advertisements by mainstream advertisers in the feed with the content from those far far right-wing groups. So what Media Matters is saying essentially is that uh, people who follow right-wing groups are being shown targeted ads with companies that may not want to be associated with them. And they published this and tried to make a big hoopla out of this. On, on you know, The bottom line is what they were really trying to do was to get media advertisers to stop advertising on X and cost, uh, cost Musk business. And Musk called them out on this. He's, he basically said, okay, so sometimes targeted ads will appear in people's feeds. So what? This is what uh, Twitter is. Uh, I'm suing you because essentially you're defaming me. You're saying that I'm in bed with these right-wing uh, fanatics uh, and, and that I'm targeting advertisement to people who follow them. Uh, which really doesn't make any sense. Uh, Twitter shows advertising to people who are on its platform, or X shows advertising to people on its platform, regardless of who they follow uh, or what they do on X. And so really what Media Matters is doing is saying the same thing as you turn on the TV and you see advertising, oh my God, it's targeted because it's some sort of a right-wing conspiracy. Uh, and Musk yeah. called them out on this, and he's suing them for defamation. Well, he's suing them, and I and as I was reading into this story a little bit more, it's so it, it it's even more nefarious than that because what they were doing was Media Matters was refreshing the page until they got the ads they wanted. Then they took a screenshot of it, and the thing is, you know, Gerard, that strikes me about this is the the, the advertisers that have pulled out. Uh, I think Disney is one of them. Apple is one of them. Comcast is one of them. All three of those groups, just right there, all three of those companies are decidedly left-wing. I don't think any, anyone that's ever watched anything on MSNBC, that's Comcast that owns them, I believe, or maybe it's CNN, whatever. You know where they come from. So it's the usual suspects, but this is what they've been doing. Media Matters for America has been doing this kind of garbage. They did it against Rush Limbaugh. They've tried it against other big conservative talkers, but they may have kind of run into a buzzsaw with Elon Musk because I suspect that Elon would be willing to spend every penny he has to destroy this group, do you think that they kind of uh, got more than they bargained for taking on Musk? Honestly, from a legal perspective, it is not the strongest case for Musk to put forward. There is something to be said for freedom of speech and media matters being able to, to put out research products. However, when it's something that's this flawed and it's designed to get a specific result and to make Musk look bad, there's a case. And Musk is going about it the smart way. He's not filing in California or New York where he's going to lose. He's filing it in Texas where he knows that judges at least are more independent and are likely to follow the law. So he is showing that he's committed to getting a good outcome here and getting justice. Yeah, well, I certainly hope he does because it's uh, that's why it, what they have been doing uh, media matters for so long is like, as I mentioned, they're targeting and and they, this is why it's such a, a sham for them to say they're a media watchdog. They would never call out CNN or the New York Times or, or Washington Post. They would never call them out for any uh, screw ups they made in their reporting. But they will always go after Fox News. They will always go after conservative 
talk radio. They will always go after nowadays Musk because Musk took away their liberal playground that used to be Twitter that censored everyday Americans like, well, like myself. They did it to me. So I'm just wondering if Musk has the wherewithal to fight this thing through. It's it, it, He doesn't seem like a guy that's ready to back down. Um, Musk does not have a history of backing down. He has a history of going all the way. Uh, and I think that we will see this proceed through the courts. And it's also sending a powerful message that he doesn't care to play by the rules of the of the, of the left-wing fanatics. He doesn't care to bow to pressure from Soros-funded groups when he is seeing a path forward to doing the right thing and preserving the ability of people to get on Twitter, to get on X and speak their minds to preserve free speech, he's fighting for that. Uh, and even when he's getting called out on it by the Biden White House, by left wing groups, uh, by, by whatever special interest groups there are, he's fighting. And that's a good thing. He doesn't look ready to quit. <laughs> I was just thinking as you were talking that wouldn't it be a kick in the ass if Elon decided, you know what? I'm going to buy Media Matters for America. God, that, <laughs> they would just absolutely lose it. Because I remember when Elon Musk was somebody tweet, uh, tweeted out to him back in the old Twitter days, Elon, you ought to buy Twitter. And he goes, how much do you think it would cost? And God, I'll be damned if he didn't end up doing exactly that. Let me read this story to you. That's why I've got the old uh, the readers on here. Uh, because this is just one more example of how this plays out. It, it, Gerard, it should come as no shock to you that this is from CNN. And you'll understand why I say that as I read the piece. Far-right conspiracy theorist accused a 22-year-old Jewish man of being a neo-Nazi, and then Elon Musk got involved. Ben Brody said his life was going just fine. He had just finished college, stayed out of trouble, and was prepping for law school. Then seemingly out of nowhere, Elon Musk used his considerable social media clout to amplify an online mob's misguided rants, accusing the 22-year-old from California of being an undercover agent in a neo-Nazi group. Uh, the claim that Brody told CNN was as bizarre as it is baseless. But the point is, you see what's going on here. They're conflating Musk and a far right wing neo-Nazi group. This is the way they always play this game. And he's trying to get a million dollars out of Musk. Musk is saying yeah, that's going to be dismissed. What do, what do you think about this case? Are you familiar with it at all? I am. And there's something even more interesting. It's when you look down and see what exactly it was that Musk said in his tweets Basically, he said comments like, that's interesting. He didn't say, oh, my God, I believe these posts. This kid is horrible. He was commenting in a very cryptic way that doesn't really mean anything. That's interesting to someone else's post. So now he's being sued because he commented, that's interesting. That's one way to silence speech is to sue for saying that's interesting. I think now we need to start using that phrase more and more just to see what happens to the rest of us. Uh, but I, I, I don't see this <laughs> going anywhere, not against Musk. If that kid wants to sue someone, he should be suing the people who make the comments about him in the first place. But Musk, that's a reach. That's that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting yeah well i mean he's seeking a million dollars and of course to, to musk a million dollars and that that's he probably earns that on the interest uh in about three seconds he could just pay this guy to make it go away but i suspect he won't i suspect he's going to go to the mat on this as well just out of the principle of the whole thing that's what i like about musk is whether you like him dislike him you can have any opinion you want i'll lean on musk but he certainly does stand by his principles, and I don't think he's going to give this guy one red penny. What do you think? 
I, I don't think he will either. I, I think that at the end of the day, this is just, there, there's nothing there. There's no there there. Tweeting that's interesting in response to someone's messages, uh, that's not something that should get you sued, and that's something that should get laughed out of court. So I, I don't see Musk settling for this. I think he will fight this. Yeah, yeah. Well, with any luck, with any luck, he will, and I, I suspect he will. Now, let's, let's uh, kind of focus on some of these Trump lawsuits that are coming up. It looks like uh, little by little, the Jack Smith case is getting whittled down. Uh, where do you think this Jack Smith case is going to go in D.C., Gerard? The Jack Smith, the Jack Smith case in D.C. is going to go the way it always has. It's not going anywhere. There's no showing of any intent or knowledge. Uh, nothing's come out since this case was filed to show any culpability on Trump's part. Uh, if anything, this is just showing pettiness and making it a politicized process. The the only case right now that's more interesting, perhaps, is Georgia, where we've had co-defendants plead guilty, take pleas. I would suspect, and this is my personal assessment, in large part because they don't have the wherewithal to spend millions of dollars fighting the government on these charges, uh, and they're looking to take uh, plea deals to avoid the costs and uh, of trial. But Jack Smith, I'm not seeing his prosecution going anywhere. There was much hoopla when he filed. Uh, we, you know, we had the the so-called perp walk to make Trump look bad. But since then, if you look at what's happened. It's been nothing. Nothing news come out. Nothing interesting's come out. It's been silence because there's no there there either. Yeah, and anytime they try and slap Trump with a uh, with a gag order, invariably that gets that gets turned on its head. Yeah, and Jack Smith is. Oh, it should be pointed out. Jack Smith has been. I mean, he's been overturned by the Supreme Court countless times. I mean, the guy's just a complete hack. Fannie Willis in Georgia. You're right. That's a strange one. But th- isn't this a case, Gerard? where the process is the punishment. So you have people pleading guilty just to finish the process, just say, okay, I'm done with this. I'll plead guilty and then take a slap on the wrist. Then the, then the media can go around saying, see, 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 we told you they're all guilty, but the process is the punishment, correct? Well, that's, that's why a lot of these cases get brought. Now, uh, the dirty secret in law, and I'll tell you this from having practiced quite a while, is that a lot of these people who end up pleading guilty may not even be guilty. They're just taking a plea because they're looking at the, the, the process of what they have to go through and saying, well, if they're offering me a, a deal where I'm not doing prison time and all I have to do is say the same things that I've been saying, which is essentially I did nothing wrong, then why wouldn't I take a plea uh, and make life easier? Because the consequences of not doing that are having my life upended even more so this is where we are it's it's the criminal justice system being used to attack people who may not even be uh be guilty of anything to get guilty pleas out of them that's that's the real tragedy here yeah that's you know we saw this play out with uh, general michael flynn too damn near bankrupted him um in fact my guest coming up after you george papadopoulos he's another one that pled guilty uh and of course he was later pardoned by president trump but this lawfare has become it, it seems that the law is being weaponized more and more. Am I just naive in thinking that this is a relatively uh, new, uh, a, a new thing that's going on, a new tactic from the left? Or or am I right in thinking they're really using it to a, to an extent they never have in the past? Lawfare has always been used uh, by the left, especially trying to use our laws against us and then to change those laws so that they benefit and we don't. But we are seeing more of it now where, you know, it, it used to. But part of that is, quite frankly, because Trump and Trump's people fight it. 
They're not willing to just concede and go away quietly. Trump has been fighting to be vindicated for what happened in the last election. Now, if he just conceded, say, okay, Biden won, I'm going to go off into the sunset and write books and go back to my companies, none of these lawsuits would have happened. He would not be charged with anything. But because he's daring to fight the system, he's being prosecuted on, in, in four cases. So we're seeing it more blatantly now than we used to, but it's always been there. Yeah. And, you know, the irony of that whole the, what you just the way you laid that out is that these lawsuits and this is counterintuitive. I know they're helping Trump. <laughs> they're actually helping Trump because more and more people are seeing it now. You say, oh, well, this is something that's been done for a long time. But now that we see it in the, in, in its raw, naked, ugly form uh, against Trump and against Musk, obviously, People are starting to recoil at it and go, good God, how dirty, huh? You think that you think that that's kind of the general consensus? I think that's been a consensus since the beginning. And that's why we see Trump's poll numbers maintaining what they are and, and show him leading Biden in national polls. It's because people are increasingly disgusted by this abuse by, of, of the legal system. Not just Republicans, but independents are being turned off by it as well. And then the flip side is, if this is the way we've become polarized and using the law as a weapon against our enemies, the Democrats have cause to worry, too, because this can just as easily be turned against them if they're not in power. Yeah, exactly right. And that it doesn't seem like they're very circumspect about that. They don't really give a lot of thought beyond we've got to stop Trump. But Trump has made it rather abundantly clear that guess what? What comes around goes around. And if I win, boy, howdy, a lot of these folks are going to be uh I would suspect be uh, in the dock before long. What do you think about that? I think that that would be nice to see, but I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem isn't just the political appointees at the top of the ladder. It's that a lot of the government departments, including the Justice Department, the State Department, most government agencies have been so thoroughly penetrated by people who are far left and don't share the values of most Americans that it's hard if you're not far left to get a break. And Trump can, you know, he can win in a landslide. He can appoint whoever he wants at the top of those departments. But you're going to have rank and file employees who are still doing things the old way and not following orders. So what we really need is to, to a clean house. We need, we need to, to take a boom and sweep out all these elements that have been so polarizing within these departments and using them to catapult the left to power for decades now. Yeah, well said. I mean, the DOJ needs an enema, the DOD. I mean, they all just really need to get flushed out and that's that's a, that's a, that's a big big project there because that's that's exactly what happened in his first term all of a sudden gee somebody leaked a, a phone call from president Zelensky to or president trump to Zelensky. gee isn't that strange and these are the little peons that work people call them the deep state some call it the bureaucratic state these people have grown roots in dc and they don't like anybody rocking the boat and nobody rocks a boat quite like Donald Trump does. Gerard Folletti, uh, thank you, my friend, for joining us today, giving us a little bit of your time on this day before Thanksgiving. I hope that you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we look forward to chatting with you again, my friend. Always a pleasure, and happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you. You too. All right, there he goes. That's Gerard Folletti. Uh, you're listening to the, you're listening and uh, and watching, frankly, uh, the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio. Stick around. We've come back. We're going to come back with one of the fellas that we were just talking about, somebody that had to take a guilty plea just to stop 
the lawfare being waged against him. That would be George Papadopoulos. He joins me on the other side of the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio right after this. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Another presidential poll and more bad news for President Joe Biden. This NBC News poll was uh, talked about Sunday on Meet the Press by host Kristen Welker and NBC political guy Steve Kornacki. President Biden, what is his job approval rating? We measure it now at 40% with 57% disapproving the significance. That is the lowest President Biden has ever measured in our poll in terms of job approval. And just look at the sea change from the start of this year. Remember, early this year, Democrats coming off a strong 2022 midterm. He was almost even. Now he's 17 points underwater on this question. Significant dip there, Steve. Those numbers include 63% of independents who disapprove and 21% of Democrats. Now, on the matchup with Donald Trump, if we are heading towards Trump, Biden, a rematch in 2024. How does that look in our polling right now? Here it is. Donald Trump, we have at 46%. Biden, 44. And this is significant because this is the first time in the history of our poll that former President Trump beats President Biden still within the margin of error. And it was about a week ago that Joe Biden claimed there were eight polls that showed he was in the lead. I haven't seen one. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Make sure to uh, tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad, or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, Just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. Opinionated, informed, and unafraid. Steve Hook on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, welcome back to the uh, special edition of the Steve Hook Show on TNT Radio. And uh, we've had a wonderful time here, and what a great way to wrap it up. Uh, we welcome to the program now George Papadopoulos. You know him. Uh, he has been through the ringer and more. He's uh, the author of the best-selling book, Deep State Target, How I Got Caught in the crosshair, Crosshairs of the Plot to Bring Down President Trump. And we welcome George to the program now. Hello, George Papadopoulos. How are you, sir? Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an honor to have you. We're, we're thrilled to have you. And uh it's funny because right before you came on, we were talking to Gerard Folletti, uh, and he, of course, is a senior counsel at the Lawfare Project. And we were talking about the lawfare that's being waged uh, in the name of politics against, of course, President Trump, against you, uh, against many people that were Trump associates. Lately, now they're uh, focusing their ire on Elon Musk. Um I, I, does does any of this shock you anymore, George, to see the way they're using the law to basically stifle people? No, it doesn't uh, shock me at all. And it really uh, and I've always said that I never thought that I was going to be the beginning of uh, this attempt to take down a president. I mean, I was uh, in many ways patient zero along with people like General Flynn, uh, Carter Page. The 2016 campaign, of course, was uh, the target of a, uh, you know, no, a, a subtle 
election interference. Uh, now it's more overt, right? You have unparalleled lawfare against a primary competitor to the sitting president of the United States. And it's really starting to begin to look like a vindictive display of state power against a political opponent where you're trying to really throw the leading competitor to Biden in prison to prevent him from actually ascending to the White House. And uh, what's even more sad, I think, is we've expected this out of the Democrats since uh, the Obama administration. But when you see competitors to Donald Trump basically salivating and hoping that Trump gets thrown into prison so that they actually have a chance to win the primary, it's even more pathetic. And I think that's why Trump is doing so well in the polls, because the American people are tired of this two-tier justice system. They're tired of the lawfare, and they just want a candidate to do what's best for America. Yeah, I was mentioning that with Gerard. I think it's I think it's a, a point well made, George, is that uh, they obviously started this with you. I met Carter uh, Page at CPAC several years ago, and we had a short discussion about it. He was basically basically echoed what you just said. They're using the law to go after Trump. But now it's become so overt, as you as you mentioned, and it's not just overt from the DNC and from the from the politicos, but it's overt from the media. It's overt from the uh, the, the the movers of the social uh, levers within the society. It's obvious people have woken up to it. And <laughs> the irony is what they have done. They have done so hardcore and so openly that now it's having a boomerang effect on them. And it's coming back and kind of biting them in the ass, don't you think? Well, it is because, uh, you know, if your name's Donald Trump, which should have been treated as normal political disputes, have now been thrust into the domain of criminal law for the first time in history. And what the American people are seeing, on, in my opinion, is on the one hand, the DOJ has essentially degenerated into this uh, protection racket for the Democrat Party and is being used to basically shield the Biden uh, family after all of these uh, allegations of corruption and bribery, pay the play, uh, you know, disgusting uh, evidence on the Hunter Biden laptop. And on the other hand, after 250 years of no president or ex-president ever being indicted, every imaginable conjured up crime that the DOJ and activist uh, state prosecutors, like you see out of uh, Manhattan and uh, in Georgia, have been unleashed to prevent 45 from winning again. And uh, I think this is exactly why uh, the poll numbers are reflecting that Trump has a firm grip on the GOP. Uh, you see people like Tim Scott dropping out wisely. Hopefully uh, he has some sort of uh, position uh, moving forward if he decides to endorse Trump. Speaker of the House Johnson has recently endorsed Trump. He's doing, I think, an incredible job uh, trying to, you know, uh, with the releasing of the J6 footage. And I think, uh, you know, this is what we need as a party. And I've always said this for years now, that the what issue that the Republican Party has had is that we've had an internal civil war. You have the Uniparty versus the MAGA base. And with Trump, when you have over 75 million people voting for him, that's not a base. That's half of the electorate. So when you have a your own party against that base, it's no uh, shock that candidates who went against that have seen their political careers dissipate. You see, uh, you know, uh, rivals to him uh, faltering. And I think the party really needs to unite around the strong MAGA movement because at the end of the day, and I'm gonna say this very, very loud and clear right now, there's nothing more important 
in America than the rule of law in a one-tier justice system. If we don't have it, we become a banana republic. It doesn't matter how strong the economy is for the short term. It doesn't matter if we have a strong border. We'll collapse from within, and that's the biggest issue I see moving forward if we don't get this right. Yeah, and the sad truth of that is, George, that's the plan. I mean, it's and that's what, so I think that scares people. We're starting to see independents starting to kind of wake up. The scales have fallen from their eyes, uh, at least a good percentage of them. Uh, not only that, but you're starting to see younger black males are starting to gravitate towards Trump. Hispanic, the, the Hispanic vote, not, not in massive numbers, but in numbers that are certainly sending shockwaves throughout the DNC. Then you throw in an incompetent, cognitively gone puppet president like Biden. And I think that they are in, in abject panic mode. I wanted to touch on something, George, that you you put on X uh, yesterday. And I, it's it's fascinating. Uh, I want to I want to let me let me let me just set it up. One thing that Trump, that President Trump has been accused of by the media and the and all the usual suspects is why can't he just let go of the 2020 election? He just harps on this. You even hear DeSantis say this and some of his competitors in the primary, which are not really competitors at all. But they're saying, why can't he let go of this? And I find that to be a very odd position to take, given the fact that all of these lawsuits are about the 2020 election and the aftermath. So I don't know how he lets go of that. But you posted on X yesterday Fulton County, Georgia, acknowledges that 3,600 ballots from the 2020 election audit were duplicated. Now that the discrepancy has turned o- been turned over to the uh, Georgia Attorney General for investigation, another right-wing conspiracy theory comes true. Uh, why don't you elaborate on that a little bit for us, George? Well... It, that definitely was a bombshell, and uh, the former president uh, was echoing the same exact uh, bombshell on Truth Social that I posted on X. And uh, the reason I think it's so important is because uh, what we've been talking about here today is about the case against Trump. And the case against Trump and having free and fair elections in America is at the heart of American political freedom. That's exactly why. This issue should be paramount. That's why this issue has been expounded on by the president and why he simply cannot let it go. Because if we don't have free and fair elections in America, we have no republic. We have no rule of law, as I've mentioned earlier. We simply are going to resemble the tin pot dictatorships and banana republics around the world that Americans have been used to mocking or have been subject to derision or condemnation or sanctioned. And this is why I believe that election integrity in America has to be at the forefront of the 24 election, because if you have every four years that either the intelligence community or a fraudulent election interfere in our process, then the American people are not choosing their leader anymore. And if we're not choosing our leader, that means the deep state is appointing individuals to govern the people. And if the people are being governed by somebody that they don't want, who really is running the show? So that's exactly why this is at the core of this election moving forward. And let me just uh, qualify what I'm saying here. We go back to 2016. An operation was run. You had the intelligence community, both domestically and foreign, uh, weaponized against Donald Trump's campaign. Then you had Mueller 
come in to basically try and cover up what happened to overthrow him through a silent coup that of course failed because we went on offense we got the truth out there we exposed what happened moving forward you had all these uh impeachment hoaxes with ukraine then in the 2020 election what happened the cia actually interfered you had the cia withhold the information about the hunter biden laptop story that likely tilted the election in favor of biden and now with this evidence that trump has been talking about about fraud in various states that barely went to biden that's why these topics are so important right now that's why they have to be talked about again because we do have an election in a less than a year coming up and if this happens again what happened in 2016 2020 and we have these discrepancies like we just found out in fulton county around the country then we don't have a country anymore so that's why this is critical to talk about that's why this information needs to come out and i'm happy that uh you're asking me about it yeah well i you know and the thing is is and this is this is the sad truth george you're not going to see that story on cnn you're not going to see it on msnbc hell if i'm honest fox news will only give it cursory coverage and only on select shows uh so we gotta we gotta get this truth out there and it, it really and, and now, let me ask you this how are you uh how do you think that jim jordan is doing over uh as far as uh his committee is concerned james comer of course has been doing bang up work uh, on the oversight committee uh are you are you uh feeling optimistic about where these committees are going investigating not only uh the biden international family of grift but also, uh, it looks like Jordan is starting to kind of look into the J6 scenario a little bit more. Are you optimistic? You know, I, I've actually been uh, very happy of how uh, Congressman Comer has uh, conducted himself for, for, since he actually ascended into the chairmanship uh, position because uh, from day one, he's been a bulldog. And by being a bulldog, that doesn't mean being reckless. That means coming with receipts. And that's something that as long as you have receipts with what you're talking about, you provide uh, bank transfers, bank records, uh, recordings, and you showcase these either through public testimony or through a press conferences the way Comer has done, that's going to start tilt the American people's opinion one way or another towards uh, believing the Biden corruption grift, as you mentioned, or not. And I think he has actually been the most effective member of Congress. Jim Jordan is a patriot. I think he could do more. I think uh, he... Uh, dropped the ball a little bit when it came uh, towards uh, the Durham investigation and uh, the entire Mueller uh, situation. I think he could have been tougher on that. In my opinion, if it wasn't for Congressman Matt Gates uh, during the Durham testimony, we would have simply allowed Durham to allow the FBI to walk away with a slap on the wrist. And that's something that, of course, after what Comey's FBI did to the American people in the 26th election was, uh, you know, horrifying to see happen. So I think they need to be more aggressive. They need to actually subpoena witnesses. They need to hold the hearings and they need to put this on primetime television because that's the only way you're going to shock the conscious of the people is by hosting these committees publicly. And you need to do that with the right witnesses. You need to subpoena these folks. You need to get the information out there. So to answer your question in a short way, I guess, I would give them the grade of a B overall, but I would give Comer an A+. plus. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that assessment. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Jordan is, uh, he talks a good game, but you know what? Trey Gowdy talked a good game. And where he's where is he at right now? 
Listen, um, George Papadopoulos, God bless you, sir. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And by the way, hello to your beautiful wife, Simone. She's been on the program before. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow. And thanks for joining us. We hope to have you back. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Thank you. Take care. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this special edition of the Steve Hook Show. But wait, there's more. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll be doing State of the Nation with my man Brian Escher-McLean on TNT Radio right after this.